This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All righty then. Here we are. Another day on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. It's Thursday already. We're like closing in on this game fast. I know. You, we travel tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Pretty wild. Yeah, really wild. Second preseason camp game coming up for the Bills. That's the that's the short thing. trip. Oh my gosh! All those years I did spent in the booth doing games. That's the one thing I do not miss is the travel. Yeah, I can imagine because unlike those of us who cover the Bills one game one singularly, team. right? We get to stay and sleep in our own beds for half of the schedule because they're home games. Every game for you. <laughs> Wasn't a away game for 20 yeah, plus, years. Plus, if you're with the team, you, you fly on a charter. You leave when you get to the airport. Mm-hmm. For guys, you know, schleps like me, you know, you're, you're going, you're going to the airport. Yeah. You're walking through security. You're waiting at the gate. And you're, you know, flight's delayed. No, the flight's not. If, yeah, nobody's delayed when you're flying charter. Flying part. This private, is true. You know, so the only time. The only time I ever remember something like that happening, we had a St. Louis game back in the day, 95 or something, or maybe 96, mm-hmm. 97. There was a snowstorm in Buffalo, couldn't land the plane from St. Louis back here in Buffalo, so we landed in Niagara Falls and stayed there and then got back to the prior aviation, dug our cars out and went home. Yeah. But that's the only, that's the only mishap you ever have with those charters. Eh? That's the best yeah. way. Commercial is a little different. A oh. little different. I, I mean, I know you did it for a long time. Oh. I did it for about we used to five have, or six years. We used to I have was... a fine system on my crew. If you started telling a travel, like a horrific travel story, you got fined because everybody had one that could top it. Everybody does have. It was one. just like a one. Because if you do it long enough, you're going to have one. Oh I, yeah, I got I got fifty of them, you know, and it's just the way it is. Some years I'll say this: some years I would go and it would, you know, when you go live in Buffalo, as we, you know, we choose to do. You fly to Atlanta, then to someplace else, or to Chicago and someplace else, or to LaGuardia and someplace. You connect mm-hmm. to Charlotte and someplace else. You connect through. Uh, so, in doing so, you got like four flights a weekend. And I've had whole year, whole seasons in my career at CBS, whole seasons where it was smooth as silk, never had a problem. Yep. And I've also had the opposite. Every single weekend, something was going wrong. Yeah. Every single week. I mean, it was relentless. You could just you counted on it. Yeah, you literally counted on having problems. I, I will say that I did not have knock on wood the five or six years that I was flying commercial, covering the bills for GR at that time, <clears throat> right at the tail end of your career. Did not have a lot of travel issues, but when I did, they all seemed to be crammed into one weekend. Right. It was never just one. I had a trip to Indy, which is as easy as it oh gets. Gosh. And in one weekend, for an Indy, Bills at Indy game, I had a misconnection, lost luggage, which included my radio equipment, followed by a return flight, delayed, which then subsequently missed my next connection, spent the night in Pittsburgh in a hotel. And this is – so after all of that – like, I'm not getting home till Monday now. Like, right. it's a given. I'm walking to my hotel room in Pittsburgh because I'm not flying out till the next morning. Of course, my room is the last one at the end of the hall. Right. So I'm exhausted. Like, I'm wiped from the weekend. I walk to the room. I go with my card. The card doesn't work. 
Oh. <laughs> it's just, that is such a small thing. Oh. But top, put on top of all those other things. Yeah. I just, you know what I did? I actually just laughed. I laughed out loud. I was like, I think I am paying for all of the right. four years of smooth flights it goes, in one man. weekend. It, just, I, it was I, insane. And in this day and age, I think, and I don't know, I haven't, I haven't traveled, you know, well, I guess I've been traveling since I was in my early 20s. The airline industry has never been worse. Well, yeah, and there are many reasons for that. But right, the, some the of it's out of their control. The prevailing one that I've heard from people in the airline industry they don't have enough pilots. That's exactly what I heard. I have, I have. They don't have enough pilots. I have an extended family. I have a family member who's a pilot, and he says they're, they're hiring three hundred pilots a month. I mean, they don't have enough guys or yeah. girls. They don't have enough people to fly. Yeah, and so as a result, you don't have enough pilots. Now you don't have enough planes. So as soon as a problem arises, they don't have. You fi- don't have a plane to wheel out. You know, right. or well, another have, plane to get there. Well, they don't have. Yeah, and even if your plane's there. The the and the safety regulations are they may have pilots there, but they they don't have enough sleep. They don't have sleep. They they're not allowed. Yep. Dude. Yeah, my wife's flight got delayed seven hours because the crew was, that was supposed to fly got in late. Yeah. And needed the needed, needed the minimum sleep time. Eight hours, ten hours, to get whatever up the next it is. Morning and fly again. Yeah. Get they need ten hours between flights <laughs> on an overnight or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's never a been, thing. It's, it's never it's been like worse. a pilot shortage. There. Young, a lot of young, a handful of young people that I know are getting their pilot's licenses. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some have already done or it and working. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing like ROTC to get through college, do your four years ROTC at flight school in, in the military. Yeah. Do it that way. And then four years later, walk into a pilot's job. They, they can't, they don't have enough. It's job security. And it's job security, great benefit, you know. All of that. It's, yeah. it's ever, all of it. It's a nice. It's a nice career. Yeah. Plus, you you know, in your off time, you get free flight anywhere you want to go. Insert the dad joke there. It has you know, it's a career that has its ups and downs. Yeah. Um, so let all right. We I think we've talked enough about travel and whatnot. Yeah. It's right. a short trip down to Pittsburgh for this weekend's game. I used to drive to Pittsburgh instead of fly. It's not a bad drive. No, I've done it. It well, you know, like we always do. Going from your house to the airport, waiting to you know hours early, get your bags checked out, waiting there, and then fly there, and then get your bags and all that stuff. It's quicker to drive from your door to there to the door of the hotel. It's quicker. Probably is. Probably is. Uh, as far as Saturday's game is concerned, Sean McDermott addressing the media this morning said the starters for the Bills will play a quarter and a half on Saturday against the Steelers, including Josh Allen. Uh, Coach McDermott said that they decided this preseason to go back to the preseason playing time schedule they subscribed to in 2021 and pre-COVID rather than barely having starters play, as was the case last year in 2022, if you remember. So a change they felt was necessary to get ready for the regular season. I wonder what kind of mathematical gymnastics and analytics they did on that to decide to go back to the plan that they used to subscribe to, where starters, they're playing to get ready for the season. And here's I, the other thing I wonder, Steve, and tell me what you think about this. The Bills are one of only a handful of teams who are not doing joint practices with other teams. I wonder if that prompted Coach McDermott and his staff to say, hey, we got to get live reps for the starters because, you know, those joint practices are ratcheted up. 
from a regular practice against your own players. Couple right? Of, they yeah, just are. Yes. A couple of things. First, the getting your starters to play, I think it is 1,000% feedback from the players themselves. You do? Okay. Yeah, give me, give me like a series and a half. Give me something. I don't want to stand around. And Quarter and a half is pretty significant. Though. Yeah, but that's what the, the – I'm telling you. A thousand percent. It's the players. It's Josh. It's Diggs and those guys. Let's play for a quarter and a half, and then that's it. All right. Well, Secondly, then. the joint practice thing. I think the Bills are a spot in their development and their culture now, where they are a team that's got their core set, and they don't need to find anything out about these guys. Most of the important players. I think they're at a different spot in their franchise's elevation to the elite level. All right. So now let me ask you this question. So the starters play a quarter and a half on Saturday. They probably don't play in the preseason finale. Right. So now you're going from August 19th to September 11th between live reps on a game field for your starting unit. You're okay with that? It's almost a month. Yeah, well, yeah. It's 20, what is that? It's three weeks. I'm yeah. It's three weeks, I, like and I said, two days. like I said, days. there's no nothing that says it's going to be perfect or the right way to do it. But they are. I think it is an adjustment for what they've done in the past, and this is kind of trying to get something better that they haven't gotten good enough in the past. Okay. So it's another step towards what they're doing. And I think there is some. I think, like I said, I think there's something to the fact that you got a quarterback in Josh Allen who's already elite. He's 27 years old. He's in the absolute prime of his career, and you got Steph Diggs. Same thing. You got your offense, you know, all this, all these guys, Knox, the corners, the corners, the DBs. You don't, you know, Poyer and Hyde ain't gonna play, or they probably will, but you know, those guys are. I'm, I think this is a roster that is of the age and experience, particularly in the same system. For all these years, they're they're at a different place than some of these teams because remember, it was like every head coach the Bills had wanted to do these joint practices because they needed to find out. You know, they want to find out about how it's going and want to see him against somebody else because yeah. it helps their evaluation. You know, how's he, how's he looking? I see him doing okay against our guy, but our, our roster isn't what it all is. You know, our roster, you know, back in the drought and stuff, they're struggling with question marks all over their roster. I think they're, you know, when you go those joint practices, that's, I think that's one of the reasons that you do it is because you need to find more out about the guys you're, you've got on your roster than your own guys can tell you about them. You know what I'm saying? The competition with a bad football team every day doesn't tell you as much as it does against maybe somebody who's got some better players. That's fair. That's why I tell all these people. The Bills are the better players. They got a roster. Yeah. They don't need to they don't need to measure up. Not practicing today for the Bills. Terrell Bernard still out with a hamstring injury, as well as Ili Anku, who has a calf injury, has missed the last couple of days. Uh, running back Damian Harris, who's been dealing with knee soreness, as well as Cam Lewis, uh, returned from injury in a limited capacity in practice today. Cam Lewis has been dealing with a groin injury. Gabe Davis was back practicing, as was Balin Spector, who missed a couple of days with a back ailment. So those guys are trending in the right direction as far as playing in Saturday night's game is concerned. Meanwhile... The Steelers, Steve, are expected to play their starters more as well. But how much is not clear. Head coach Mike Tomlin said they'll play it by ear after seeing the starters essentially get one drive last week. Quarterback Kenny Pickett and the Steelers' starting offense 
10-play drive, touchdown, off the field. So Coach Tomlin said the following, quote, I acknowledge that those guys are going to play. I will also acknowledge that they're going to play more. But what that is, as I stand here right now, I'd be lying if I gave you a direct answer. So they will play more. He's just not prepared to say how much yeah. more. He's going to get him. Yeah. I mean, we all – I most – this is the dress rehearsal game. Yeah, most of them can feel what it's going to feel like. They, they'll get in there, and if they get a, a long series, that may be it. But if they wanted to go, like, give them some real work, if they get one long series, they'll give them another one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a totally feel thing. Plus, these guys have a real – they have their finger on the pulse of what the team has been doing up to this point in practice, is how the practice have been gone, how they're looking, how they're talking about it, which guys are injured, which guys are 1,000%, which guys are only nine. 90%. All of that stuff goes into the mix, and it'll also have to do with the depth that is required by those injuries and the rest. How much depth is going to be mixed in with the number ones? Are we going to have, like, two guys in there that, you know, probably aren't the guys that are going to be there, but they're still going to be on the team? That kind of mix. It'll all go into the stew, and it doesn't mean it has to be all 11 guys out and all 11 guys back in. You know, the number twos are all in. So uh-huh. That also has something to say with it. So it's, it is an art form. You know what I mean? You get the right mix. Well, you're you get dealing the, with almost twice the number of players. That's right. And you want to, and, and, and certainly the starters are your number one priority, but you also got another, you know, 30 guys. You got to get on the 53 and you got to find out about them. You want to give them some work and find out. So it is, it is an artwork because the game's unpredictable. What do you do if you go one, two, three, and out, one, two, three, and out, one, two, three, and out? You got nine plays when you in a regular regular season, you might get those nine plays on one drive. It's 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 hard. It's hard to predict. Time to go around the NFL. Presented by Collider Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And we begin as we usually do in the AFC East, Steve. The Miami Dolphins saw their veteran left tackle leave practice early today. Teron Armstead, who had been on PUP coming off of off-season knee surgery, had been ramping up his practice participation over the past week or so off of the PUP list. But he was carted off today. We'll probably get the exact reasons tomorrow. Tyreek Hill, in a post-practice interview, said that Armstead told him he's good and that he's just old. The Dolphins' backup left tackle, Steve, is Kendall Lamb, career backup who has played for four teams in the NFL in his eight seasons. And most of those seasons, he's lined up at right tackle. I'm telling you, Teron Armstead had to drag himself out there for almost half the season last year with four different injuries, toe, knee, hip, and shoulder, and gutted his way through the season for them. I don't know if he's going to make it through this season. Well, make no mistake. And he's their best lineman. Right. Make no mistake. Taron Armstead is a warrior. I mean, he's an old bull moose. You're Mm -hmm. not, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put him out of his misery. He'll go. Uh, But like you said, it's, it's rough. And it's thin behind him. It's thin behind him. And just because it's thin behind him may give him the impetus to say, oh, I'm staying in no matter come hook or crook, unless he's I get a boat. practically doing that last year. Exactly. He's gonna get, you're going to get more of the same. That's the way it's going to be. But that guy is that guy's an absolute stud and has been for a long time. But that doesn't mean he's got all that much to give. 
So that's kind of where they're at. They, I think the Dolphins have learned that this guy is going to tape it up and go no matter what. So they're kind of counting on that. I feel bad for the guy because that's you know they feel bad for him because I mean he is his, his career own is likely resting on his ability to protect his. I mean, that's not his blind side. It's his front side since two is a lefty. But maybe they feel okay with that. I'll tell you what I don't feel okay about. Austin Jackson starting at right tackle on two is blind side. Because well, he has been horribly average for a first-round draft choice. Yeah. So that's the thing. I Taron Armstead is just some of the guys. I think a guy like a coach like Mike McDaniel is just checking. He's here. We're gonna, he's fine. You know, whether – and it may be a battle and it may be this epic tale by the end of the season, but I'll bet you that guy – that guy may gut it up and be able to go the whole season, even though he is – looks like a fife and drum core, you know, the Civil War. Yeah, with the head bandage. With the head and the band, knee bandage. And a guy and limping with a peg leg. Yeah. You know, that may be him at the end of the season, but I'll bet you that guy lines up. Yeah. Um, I – I just I don't know how in good conscience the Dolphins did not do more to invest in their offensive line this offseason. It really boggles my mind knowing the delicate nature of Tua's future playing career if he gets just one more concussion. If he gets had, one more, his career could be over. I was talking years ago, I was talking to an executive, an NFL executive, and I said, what do you think, what do you think they're going to, you know, when are they going to expand by 32, from 32? Oh, teams? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you t- we're always talking about maybe London, Berlin, Paris, you know, Amsterdam, may having four European teams for their own division, that kind of thing, you know, or, you know, whatever. Japan, Mexico City, you know, all this stuff comes up. And he goes, and the guy, the executive looked at me, he goes, yeah, hey, I don't think it'll ever happen. I go, Why? He goes, we don't, there's, not enough, there's not enough good guy. There's not enough players. Once you get past a certain level. We're already there at the offensive yes, line. Yes, yeah. exactly. You start to get into a precipitous drop-off of guys who can actually do it. And, you know, for a guy like me, I didn't see that because I'm like – I'm this, like, dwarf of a guy. You know, I'm, I'm comparatively speaking to all the guys I play with. I'm like, I, anybody can play. If I can play, anybody can play, right? And the simple fact of the matter is the guys who are genetically different enough to make a difference for football teams aren't, aren't common, like, like guys like me are. And the league is very keenly aware of it. There just aren't enough good big dudes mm-hmm. to protect <laughs> the valuable dudes, right? That, think about it. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it all over. The Jets are having, you know, Aaron Rodgers had to address it today in a, his press conference. Tua, I mean, that's topic one. Yep. His off-season work was learning how to take a butt whooping and getting a new helmet. That was his plan. Yep. Same thing all, all over the league. So, you know, I get it that we're sitting here saying, wow, the Dolphins should have known. Well, you know what? There's only so many of those dudes out there. It's a problem. It's, it's, hard, it's a problem. And it's a problem for the Jets because Jets offensive tackle Mackay Becton, a former first-round pick, sixth overall if I remember right, yeah. has not shown the kind of he consistency is, and reliability he needs for the Jets to believe they can count on him to be a starter. That's the thing. So, folks out there who don't know Mackay Becton, I'm going to go – He's missed the last two years yeah, with knee me, problems. Yes, he has. And, you know, he's had 
he's had injuries. Played six snaps in the Hall of Fame game and said, eh, my knee doesn't feel right. I got to come out. Right. Played so, more against Carolina last week. Here's what the Jets. Here's what the Jets thought they were getting. They got so they draft this kid first. Like I don't know, it was high. He was a high pick, right? Yeah, I think he was sixth overall. Yeah, he was really high. And he's the top reason, ten pick. The reason is because he is. Six seven three hundred sixty pounds. He's he's lost weight he? this offseason, though. You're talking about spit in the ocean, though. Yeah, where is he? Well, I'm gonna while you look for that, I'm gonna give a quote that Robert Sala had on Makai Becton. He said, "Quote: The biggest thing for Makai is to show that he can play a game without having to be subbed out. It's unfair to the team to prepare a guy to start." If you are not sure he can make it through a game. Yeah, Makai Becton, 6'7", 363. Yeah. He's moving in the right direction. I thought he had a big step against Carolina in that game. And this is why it's a Six. problem. That's why they drafted him. He's 6'7", and he weighs 363 pounds. Well, the reason it's a problem right now is because their left tackle, Dwayne Brown, who's going to turn 39 this season, is still on PUP with a shoulder injury. So – this was a golden opportunity for Becton to step into that void and say, I deserve to be a starter. It has not happened. Instead, you have Billy Turner, a career guard, playing left tackle for them. And then over on the right side, Max Mitchell, a former fourth-round pick from two years ago, as the starting tackles. Sala said Becton does have a chance to start, but it would be at right tackle rather than left tackle, and only when he shows he can play a full game. So both the Jets and Dolphins with some big-time O-line issues. Meanwhile, in Baltimore, we heard yesterday how Marlon Humphrey, Steve, is going to have foot surgery. It's not considered long-term, but he is going to miss time. They also have Rock Yassin out with an injury, their other starting corner. So to no one's surprise, the Ravens hosting former Bills second-round pick Ronald Darby for a visit today. Wouldn't be surprised if they sign him because they need help. For Ronald Darby, that's a nice move. He'd be going back to near home. I believe he's a Maryland native, if I remember right. So that'd be a nice move for him. And the Ravens need help. They are down people. Unfortunate bit of news out of uh, Colts camp. Wide receiver Ashton Doolin, who we just saw here last week against the Bills, season-ending ACL injury in last night's practice. His season is over before it began. It, you hate to see it, but it seemingly happens every single summer in the training camp in the preseason. Somebody suffers a season-ending injury. Yeah, feel bad for him. I hope mean, he gets healthy soon. Clubs take super, they take super conservative stances on risking their players, but they got to practice hard to be ready to play. And you've, you've got guys like co- head coaches like Mike Tomlin who point out that, hey, you got to go hard and you get calloused to it. You know, you get used to it. And while I, it's hard to argue with the anecdotal evidence that you see when that's the case, the teams that practice really hard and hit and do all that tend to come out and be able to do that on, in a regular game. But by the same token, then you get guy who a guy who just non-contact loses an ACL. You know, and all the stuff we see in, in preseason games where guys get carted off. It, there's just no way around the physicality of the game. And that's why guys like 
we've been talking about this, Makai Becton and all these huge guys that were, they're so rare. It's not just that they're big. Makai Becton's this big guy. He should be able to play for as long as he wants. But he, he doesn't want to. He's got, he's got like, a, his, his motor is set on idle. He's, he's, got, he's got this great, op, you know, he's got this great job. He's a he tackle for the New York Jets, and, and he just coasts. Yeah. You get guys like that everywhere because the game's really hard. Yep. And guys that are like Makai Becton and some of these other guys, you'll see even down the roster, even on the Bills and all these, they've been so big their entire lives, they've never been taxed. They've never been yeah, maxed been out. They've never been maxed out. They've never had to push themselves. And they don't know what it's like, and it scares them, and it hurts. It's too hard. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that to be – it's too hard. I'm not saying that to be uh, – No, you're just to, speaking facts. That's the way it is. They, they've never had to, and they're not used to doing it. Now as grown men, going against grown men who do have a little attitude and some grit, they crumble. They just do what they – they just start to survive instead of thrive. Yeah. It's a hard game. That's why football is so compelling. It's well, cause hard. Because it, it weeds out the it guys hurts. that don't want to. Yeah, it hurts. And you got to be ready for that. you got to be ready for that. And some, and some people, not just football players, some people don't want any part of that. Yeah. And I, okay, I, it's nothing against them. They're, they're built like that. And you can't be built like that and be that way in the NFL. So that's why you get all these guys that look the part, and it's the old adage, they look like Tarzan, and they play like Jane. Mm-hmm. Not to be – that's an old saying. It's not me. I'm, I apologize if anybody's offended by that. But that's an old – it's an old adage. You know, the guy looks like a warrior, and he's not. Yeah. And that's Beckton. At least that's him. For, so at least far. from the evidence we've been given. So far. So I'm – you know, <clears throat> that's why it's, it's – and it's a delicate balance we've been talking about. You want these guys to show that they want yeah. it, but when they start, the whole team starts showing they want it, and you got like nine guys go down with injuries, and it's like, oh, God. now your whole team and your whole season sabotage, and yep. just because you couldn't, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's that's the art of it, you know, it's the art, it's the, the game's a meat it's grinder. It's why it's compelling. That's why the game is compelling to watch when people mm-hmm. can't take their eyes off it. This thing's an eight hundred pound gorilla. Everybody wants to watch it. And every every streaming service wants a piece of it. Every network wants a piece of it. Yeah. Every radio station and TV station and every town wants a piece of it. Because you can't take it's like a an ongoing car wreck, man. You can't not watch. Yeah. Uh, a bit of Cincinnati Bengals news: Joe Mixon found not guilty of aggravated menacing. Mixon was accused of pulling a gun during a road rage incident in January. He, tri- he chose to be tried by a judge instead of a jury. Judge found him not guilty. Mixon did not testify. His lawyers did not call any witnesses, arguing that the prosecution had not proven its case. A woman testified that Mixon pulled a gun, threatened her during a traffic dispute the day before the Bengals' divisional playoff game against the Bills. Prosecutors suggested Mixon was rushing to catch the team flight to Buffalo and may have been driving erratically as a result. If Mixon had been convicted... He could have faced up to six months in jail. So he's off the hook and ready to go for the season. And that is around the NFL, presented by Collider Health, your official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. Topic of discussion today. Steve, we did part one yesterday, which was which player would you like to see more from 
in the upcoming preseason game on offense. Today, we flip it. Which Bills player are you hoping to see more from in the preseason game on Saturday against Pittsburgh on the defensive side of the ball? You can let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Those are the numbers. There are lines open at this time, so we encourage you to jump on if you have a player in mind that maybe you saw something you liked in preseason game number one and you want to see a little bit more to feel better about maybe – uh, maybe a guy you liked and you want to be convinced of it in preseason game two. Maybe it's somebody you've really been pulling for and you saw nothing from him that satisfied <laughs> you in preseason game one. And you're like, come on, man, get it in gear. I want you to make the roster. You let us know who that person is at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. As always, you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Steve and I take a break here. Back in a second. One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Thursday, just two days away from Bills preseason game number two at the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. In Pittsburgh, scheduled kickoff, 6.30 p.m. Steve will be on the TV side. I will be on the radio side. So uh, tune in, whether you're driving around or parked on your couch in your living room. Yeah. Um, Let's get to the phones, though, where we are asking you, which defensive player on the Bills roster needs to show you more in preseason game number two? We go to the phones, and we start with Tom on the west side. What do you got for us, Tom? Hey, guys, the first question I got for you is yesterday you were taught while Steve was just talking about guys pushing each other in training camp and preseason for for position and making the team. And I'm wondering if that's what happens to to the linebackers this year or even other position groups in previous years, because I I mean, they all dropped and. Then, then I'm wondering what free agent linebackers are available on the market because I tried to Google it, and it said Jerry Hughes. And Jerry Hughes isn't a linebacker. He's a defensive lineman. But anyway, on the defense, to answer your question, I'd like to see more out of Boogie Basham and Tyrell Dodson because right now that's that's what we got there. Yeah, um, I get what you're saying. Uh, I thought Boogie flashed in that first preseason game, Steve. Um, Made some plays, got a sack. I like what I saw out of Boogie. And, you know, we heard from Brandon Bean. He explained to us – or, no, it was Coach McDermott that explained it to us when we were on with – when he was on with us last week at training camp. Yeah. He said Boogie spent the whole offseason at a facility out in Arizona just training the whole offseason. Right, yeah. And if you're asking for, like, other names who are available, like – for to be inside linebackers, free agents. The names I've got at the top: Kyle Van Noy. No, he signed somewhere. Did I think. he? Yeah, he's not. He's not on here. I'm, okay. I think he signed with the Raiders just a couple of weeks ago. Let's see, tracker. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, this is this needs to be updated then. Uh, Jay and Jayon Brown, Jared Davis, John Bostic, Micah Kaiser, Jermaine Carter, Kanai Mauga. There's there's names out there. There's some um, guys out there, but I mean, it's, it's too a little late. It is late. Um, 
it, I think it would take – I mean, they've got two players that were nicked up at the middle linebacker position, although Baylin Spector came back into the practice setting on a limited basis today from his back ailment. I don't believe Terrell Bernard's going to make it back to play in this game this weekend from his hamstring injury, so that'll be two preseason games missed for Terrell Bernard. Real tough break for him. So you're looking at Tyrell Dodson getting a lot of run, A.J. Klein getting a lot of run, and Balen Specter getting a lot of run at the middle linebacker position. And it's not like the Bills are down a man because they'll have Tyler Matikavich up now that he's off PUP. He missed last week's preseason game, but he's healthy now from the calf injury. So he's another middle linebacker option to line up there at the position in the absence of Terrell Bernard. So numbers-wise, they're okay. And, yeah, I get why you want to see more of Tyrell Dotson because he's in the throes of a competition right now, and he's going to probably get a quarter and a half. With Bernard out of the equation, I think we're all expecting Dotson to start there because they need to find out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Balen Specter seems to have dropped off the radar. Um, Matikavich hasn't been available. I mean, they, they're down bodies. So – we just have to. You got to see how how it progresses. Yep. Um, the fact that Bern, uh, you know they got some injuries to that spot, you know, throws a wrench into the evaluation. But we'll see. We'll see. Certainly, Dorian Williams showed up in a minute for a minute against the Colts. We'll probably get a we'll probably get a belly full of him taking reps this week. Um, yes. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I'm a little bit concerned, starting to get concerned that we haven't seen like a definitive statement. Oh, that no one has separated themselves, you mean? Right. Yeah. And Coach expressed that sentiment. Today, yeah. Well, last week he expressed it also um, with respect to the cornerback two position. You still have three guys in that mix in Benford, Elam, and Jackson. And no one has definitively separated themselves in that battle either. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it does give you a little concern. Because I think in an ideal world, as a coach, you're hoping that the players play on the field makes the decision for you. You know what I mean? Right. So you're not saying, well, Absolutely. I think this guy's the best answer here, but he really hasn't separated himself in a way that I had hoped he would, but we think he's the best guy. Where somebody just comes out and snatches it and says, this is my job, I'm starting, because I'm this much better than everybody else you got in the mix here. Right. That hasn't happened. Everybody wants it to be easy, but at the same time, you want as many good players as you can get. So it's, it's easy to sit there and say, well, you know, it's either one of two things right now. One – at the cornerback spot, like it, it kind of looks this way at the cornerback spot, you got a bunch of guys who have started games and played pretty well there. Mm -hmm. At linebacker, none of that's true. It's like you right. got too many corners. You're deep at that spot. You're looking good. You got guys. It's hard to even decide who you're going to play. At linebacker, you can't find anybody that you even like. That's the way it kind of looks like right now. So, and you have an injury. And yes, and the and now there's a big wrench in the mix over there because you don't know what it's gonna, you know, who could really take hold of it because nobody's healthy enough to do it. So that's that's kind of where you're at at the two different spots. Mm -hmm. Corner, you seem strong. A linebacker, there's too many unknowns to think that. Right. Let's go back to the phones and to Steve in Rochester. What do you got for us, Steve? 
Hey guys, uh, Brownie, you sort of stole my thunder. Uh, my problem is I'd like to see Kyer Elam step forward. Um, I think with our middle linebacker position, as strong as our defensive line is, we could get by with a little weaker middle linebacker. But having CB2, having Kyler Elam as high draft pick as he was, and all the promise that he showed coming out of college, he just hasn't stepped up for me and grabbed that. I want him to be the definitive CB2, and I think he needs to do it this preseason. All right. That's fair. Um, and I think you're not alone, Steve. There's a lot of people hoping that a guy that w that has the physical capabilities of a Kyrie Elam, making him worthy of being a first-round pick, to seize that job. And there's still time to do it. It's just that neither he nor Benford nor Jackson have stepped up to do it. I mean, Dane Jackson had an interception gift-wrapped for him last week against the Colts, but yeah, I mean, people are like, well, come on now. Elam's a first-round pick. How come he hasn't jumped up and snatched the job? There's two preseason games to do it. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, and uh, I think they really like him. I think they like they feel obligated and, and some affection towards Dane Jackson as well. Uh, Christian Benford was a surprise at training camp last year, mostly, I think, uh, because of his personality and because of his – physical size and gifts. Um, so they all bring something to the table that the club really likes. Obviously, they really like Kyrie Elam coming out. And I think I think that's starting. I, from what I've seen, I, I'm kind of starting to lean towards Kyrie hard, like he's going to be the guy. Um, but I could be way off base uh, because, you know, all we do is watch a few reps at practice and watch them rotate in and out. So we'll see how it goes. But um, I think you're going to get a chance to see Kyrie Elam. I think you'll get some information as too, as if the defense goes out there and they, that first defense goes out and has a couple of three and outs and they play through the first quarter and they haven't given up a first down or something like that. And Kyrie Elam is a part of that. I think that, and then he sits down. I think that tells you a lot about what you need to know. Whoever goes in first and sits down first and sits out the longest is probably the guy with the leg up on the position. Let's go to George in Fort Erie next. What do you got for us, George? Like I said, we're we're a month, uh, we're relatively late stage of this, and we don't have a linebacker. I think number one, I think we, but I think we signed the wrong guy. We should have never let uh, Edmonds go. Young, twenty-five years old, another five, good five years in front of him, and now and now we're scrambling, and then we turn around and pay. Um, the nose tackle. I don't Ed, get it. Ed Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, you like Tremaine oh, better right. than Ed. Thanks. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's your opinion. You're certainly entitled and to it. And we said it, too, yesterday. They signed identical contracts. Yeah. Um, Essentially the same money for the yeah. most part. Um, I will say that I would, I would slightly disagree with your assessment of the middle linebacker competition as a scramble. I don't think it's that. They had a plan in place. They had many months in this offseason to assess how they were going to handle the loss of Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. They chose to do an in-house competition with the talent they had at their disposal. Tyrell Dotson, Balin Spector, Terrell Bernard, young players who have been in the pipeline. Tyrell Dotson's in his fourth season. It's not like he just got here last year. Now, the other two did. They were draft choices. 
in the 2022 draft class. But I, I think to call it a scramble is a little of a mi- little bit of a misnomer. Just because there isn't clarity at the position yet doesn't mean it's a scramble. It doesn't mean you got coaches running around upstairs going, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Oh, my God, what are we going to do? They just don't have a definitive answer as to who from their pool of candidates is going to be the guy. And who knows? By the end of Saturday night this weekend, they may know. Somebody lights it up on Saturday and puts their stamp on the job. Decision made. I mean, it could be over as soon as Saturday for all of them. Uh, Yeah, and and we don't know. We don't know a lot about how they feel about these guys or what each one of them needs to do because they all have different strengths and weaknesses. So the coaching staff's in there going, we need more from, we need this and this from this guy. We need that and that from the other guy. And we need those and those from this other guy. Uh, if one of those guys starts to show all of that and compliment is what they know about him and what his strengths are and what his, you know, and then work on his weaknesses and all, all of a sudden show up. Like we've, we saw Terrell Dodson early in training camp. Brandon, we talked about this at length. Dodson comes in, and we knew the guy is a good run stuffer. He likes the contact. He's one. He's an old school middle linebacker who comes up and you know puts his head in the chest or the chin of an offensive lineman and goes through him to get the ball. He's one of those guys. His problem was it's a throwing league now. Was he going to be able to turn around, run sideways or or at an angle away from the line of scrimmage and get into a zone drop? or pick up a line uh, tight end and carry the tight end down the middle of the field? Was he going to be able to cover? And you and I both watched. He's way different this year than he has been in the past in his coverage. He has worked on it. There's no question about it. The guy showed up and had made some progress in something that the t- club had obviously told him he needed to work on. And so He's been better in coverage. He really yeah, has. So that's what the club is going to want to see. That's what the club is going to want to see. Now, whatever is keeping him from being the guy and being proclaimed the guy, I don't know. But that's what we're – and that's what, you know, they're looking at with not just Dodson, but also with Dorian Williams and Terrell Bernard, or Bernard and Specter and the whole gang. Um, we don't know what all the ins and outs of that are, but certainly you and I have noticed that Dodson showed up different. Yeah. Break time for us here. When we come back, stay right where you are. Van in Atlanta is going to lead us off along with Mike in Orchard Park in Scott in Florida. Stay right where you are. We'll get to you and get your answer for which defensive player you need to see more from in preseason game number two when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Let's get back to the phones where we're asking you, what defensive player on Buffalo's roster would you like to see a little bit more from in preseason game number two? And to Van in Atlanta we go. What do you got for us, Van? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Hey, um... The first player that I wanted to talk about, well, not really talk about, but to answer your question is AJ Epinesa. I think the jury is still out on him. Okay. I really want to see him do good. I really, really, really want to see him do good. But just haven't seen enough. We need these uh, defensive linemen to really come through for us, man. That's what they were drafted for. 
I really want AJ Epinesa to do good, but it's just not enough. Why? In why? Second, tell me, tell the, real quick, Van. Tell me why you're hung up on mm-hmm. on Epinesa so much. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm a Big Ten guy. Okay. So, you know, him coming from Iowa, Big Ten as a whole, you know, they produce a lot of defensive linemen. I mean, the Bosa brothers. I can name a, you know, some others, but with him, you know, they were messing with his weight, with his playing weight. I don't know if that had a lot to do with his production, you know, going from 280 to 260 or whatever his playing weight was in Iowa. You know, they were messing with that a little bit. I don't know what's the deal with that. You guys could be able to tell me a little bit more of how that works or how that plays into production. But ever since they drafted him, I thought he was really going to be a 10 to 12 sack guy from the moment we drafted him. And, you know, just haven't seen a whole lot. You're right. Yeah, I think I I would agree, particularly given his draft status. So uh, I think you would expect more from a guy drafted that high. I think you could make a case that Boogie Basham, who's drafted, you know, a round later, has been more effective um, for whatever reason. Uh, and yeah, I, both second-round picks. Yeah, and I would say they – yeah, I would agree with you. I would say it's put up or shut up time for him. In this training camp, I'm not – I mean, I they got some guys that can go. You bring in Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller – and you got those guys on the edge along with Greg Rousseau, that drops a couple of notches. When Vaughn and Leonard Floyd got hired, That they go into the top and everybody else drops off at the bottom. So if you were at the bottom two rotation guys on that roster before those guys got here, you're done. Because Greg Rousseau isn't going anywhere. So, yeah, there's less room on this roster now. Because Leonard Floyd ain't going anywhere. Right. Van, you had a set you said you had a second person in mind too, am I right? Yeah. Um the wide receiver that caught the touchdown, Terrell uh Shavers. Tyrell Shavers, yeah. Shavers, and, yeah. Yeah, and um Alex Austin. Okay. Now with him in particular, you know, him coming from Oregon State, I didn't see too you know, I'm I'm an East Coast guy, so I didn't watch too much of West Coast games, but the fact that he was drafted at the seventh round, no matter what year, probably since 2016, the Bills have always kept a seventh rounder. I don't know why. Maybe the talent is there. Maybe the player just, you know, he just has that it factor. I don't know what it is. But if we could continue that, I hope Alex Austin is, you know, one of those players that we get to keep for, you know, for a long time. Yeah, it, it would certainly be nice. I think I think what's working in his favor is the fact that he's been the beneficiary of getting a lot of reps out there on the practice field as a rookie seventh-round draft choice, which by no means is ever guaranteed on any NFL roster, let alone one as good as this one with the depth they have at the corner position. But I think what's working in his favor is the fact that right now there are only seven corners on the roster. So he's getting regular rotational reps through the system during the team periods of practice. So he's really been afforded, for a seventh-round rookie, he's really been afforded a a healthy opportunity here to prove he belongs on this roster. He's getting some looks, yeah, no question. And 
and I'll say this, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to poo-poo what you said about everybody who they always keep a seventh rounder. Christian Benford's don't fall off the truck very often. Dane Jackson's a seventh rounder. Yeah. Um, Jack Anderson was an offensive lineman who was a seventh rounder who made this roster, uh, then got put on the practice squad, and then got poached by Philadelphia. Here's the thing. This is not the same roster it was four years ago or th- or five years ago for sure. So they don't keep seventh rounders just as a tradition. <laughs> you know, they, they keep them because they can play and they can, they're better than the guys that are ahead of them. So, yeah, I get the seventh rounder thing. They always keep one, but don't get caught up in that. Just have them keep the right guy. Yeah. We have to take a break here. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the guy, the other guy you mentioned, because it's a guy that's caught your eye too, Tyrell Shavers. Also coming your way in hour number two, we'll hear from the two players who addressed the media after practice today, Latavius Murray and Andy Isabella. They're coming your way in hour number two as well. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we be on a Thursday, hour number two, One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we close the last hour talking about some players. And while he's not a defensive player, we'll discuss him anyway. Topic of discussion today, incidentally, mm-hmm. is what defensive player on the Bills roster would you like to see more from in preseason game number two? A defensive player was mentioned by our last caller, Van in Atlanta, which was... A.J. Epinesa, but he also said he'd like to see a little more from Tyrell Shavers. He caught his eye in the last game. He caught Steve Tasker's eye as well. And there are some things to like about Tyrell Shavers, right, Mr. Tasker? There are. He's 6'4", 211. Uh, He's got good speed, runs routes, and he's got a big catch radius. Um, And when I watch him play, I kind of tend to see the the great stuff, but you got to acknowledge – he had the most up-and-down day. I said this in the first last week. Yeah. Last week, he had the most up-and-down day against the Colts. He had a tipped – he ball went right through his hands on a little quick screen, and it turned into the pick six going the other way. Then he also drew a penalty down the field uh, on the defense, which was a positive play. And then, of course, he caught the touchdown pass uh, going into the end zone of the tunnel end. Uh, just the most up-and-down day you could have as a, as a guy. But I like the upside. And I, and I, you know, guys get – smart guys get better. And you got to think he's one of those guys that's going to improve as it goes along. You cut out those dips in his production. The tip – of course, the tip pass, who, knows, who knew it was going to go into the thing? It was still a drop pass, but turning into a, 
turning into a to pick six was a bad break. But then he has the nice catch across the middle in between the hashes, and he's a big, big target. He's big. And he's I got think, legs and arms that go on forever. And I also think he, he can be one of those guys that gives you a little something on kick coverage and stuff like that too. So I'm, uh, I think he's really got a chance uh, to hang around the building, at least if not on the 53-man roster, for sure on the practice squad. And he's, he's a good enough player to be in the NFL. And that's why you kind of hate to see anything happen that he wouldn't be a Buffalo Bill instead of someplace else. Undrafted rookie out of San Diego State. So even if he can't make the 53, and it is practice squad, as you suggested, I would submit that he would be a a very good candidate for the practice squad because I think he's demonstrated enough on the field to show that with the right development, he could be a 53-man player as soon as next year with the right coaching and development. And we all know about the player development abilities right. of this coaching staff. Here. We haven't seen enough of him to know whether he's explosive or not or whether he's got high end speed or whether he runs a 4-3-40 or 4-10-40, you know, a 4-8-40. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But he seems to get separation. He catches the ball extremely well, and he's got a big catch radius. So, you know, he's got a lot of – he's intriguing because he has shown up in training camp and, and played well in the game last week. There's an interesting backstory uh, to Shavers, at least from what I'm reading here online. Um, first, you asked about speed. He has 438 speed. 20 yard shuttle, Steve, 409. 36 inch vertical. He also originally committed to Alabama. Four star recruit in high school out of Texas and committed to Alabama. So something obviously happened there and, you know, washed out of Alabama, wound up at San Diego State. So just something to, uh, you know, stick in the file there for one Tyrell Shavers. There is athletic ability there for sure. Speaking of receivers, we want to turn to the receiver that addressed the media after practice today at the post-practice podium was one Andy Isabella who has opened eyes in his brief time here in a Bills uniform as a mid-training camp signee. Here is the diminutive receiver who has opened eyes thus far this summer. Kind of like a wake-up call come, coming close to the regular season. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, definitely the better the competition, I mean, it, and it, we're playing it like a game, so it'll get me ready for the game and you know, you want to play hard, and those guys are playing hard. They're just making me better. Where are you in the, the learning process? Uh, you know, I'm learning every day, so I'm, I'm picking it up. But I'm picking it up really fast. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it a lot faster than I think even they, they thought I would pick it up. Um, putting in a lot of hours studying, and um, I think I'm going to have it all down by the time uh, camp's done. You have to, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a big playbook, and if I want a chance to get on the field, I have to know the plays. I mean, if you don't know the plays, you're not going to be in the game. You're not going to play. You've been on the field quite a bit. Um, what do you like about this offense? Uh, it's it's, it's fast-paced. It's, it's a, a lot of quick, short short passes, but um, a lot of shots as well. It's a good mix of everything, and... It's, a, it's one of the – I think it's the best playbook I've, I've, uh, I've been a part of so far in the NFL. How do you feel you fit into the offense? I think I fit in great. I mean, they, they use those quick quick routes, and that's what I, that's what I do. Um, so I just keep working and see what happens. Andy, how do you keep your head up knowing that you haven't found your niche yet? 
Uh, just, just great faith, you know, that there's a there's a higher purpose. Um, I'm not really worried about what happens, you know. I just come out here and play hard every day. Cole Beasley, do you know him at all? Have you watched any of his uh, play with the Bills? Just because you know you're same Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of what he, his work and what he's done in this league. I know he's still still playing somewhere now, and um, I definitely watched his tape a lot when I was in Arizona and, and studied him. So it's cool to uh, be here now. Dorsey had told us yesterday that he could see just the trust between you and all the different quarterbacks. How do you feel you've built that so quickly? You know, you just you, you come in here and you set a standard for yourself. And um, I set a high standard for myself. And I, I kind of try to carry that standard every, with me every day, whether it's staying after and studying more the plays. So when I go out there, I know what I'm doing. So they, so they, they build that trust. So, and I bring a lot of energy and play hard. And I think when you do that, the, the ball finds energy and the ball finds people that, that work hard and do the right thing. So that's what I'm going to continue to do. Are there any ways you've changed how you, you mentioned how much studying there is right now, learning all the plays? Have you changed your style of like going over stuff since you entered the league or added stuff to help kind of pick it up faster? Yeah, definitely. I definitely um, I had a coach in Baltimore when I got there halfway through the season last year. And he told me to, to go in your room, put a, put a cone or something in the middle and make that the center, and then go walk through it, walk through it all. And so that's what I do. I just walk through all the plays on my own. I'll say it out loud and walk through it until it sticks. Did you bring the cone or did the Bills give you a cone? No, no I just use a bag or something. But <laughs> you get deployed like a cone or something. All right. So Andy Isabella coming up with a unique way to learn the plays in Buffalo's voluminous playbook. He got here late, had to go through serious cram sessions to master that playbook. And he puts a bag in the middle of the room. That's the center, and he lines up where he's supposed to be on the play to physically rep it in a walkthrough-type setting in his own hotel room. That's how, that's how he's – and you heard Josh say it the other day when he spoke to the media on Tuesday. Every time he sees Isabella in the locker room, he's got his book open. He's looking at it. He's got a very short window of time to learn a very large playbook. I mean, he is yeah. playing catch-up every single day. Yeah, he's – Done well so far, though. I think he ha it's safe to say he's exceeded expectations. And that's – as long as you do that, you're, they're never going to let you walk out the door. Give yourself a chance, yeah. Um, you're never – if you exceed, always exceed expectations, you never, you're never going to be asked to leave. Um, that's where he's at right now, he's, and he's done a nice job of it. You know, you know <laughs> he's steadily gained more and more interest from – people who watch practice like us, me and you, people yep. in the media. Um, everybody's noticing him. And that's, you know, that's basically what you got to do. Because if we're, noticing, if we're noticing him, the coaches have to deal with him. So they're the ones that have to make the decisions about him, and they're the ones that are saying, well, you know, you can't you, – you, you start to – it's the old adage. You don't, you know, you don't make the team – sometimes what you do is you never give him a reason to cut you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he's there now. They, can't, they have no reason to think this guy needs to go anywhere else, and it's up to him to continue that. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, this guy's got to be on our 53. Coach McDermott was asked about Andy Isabella specifically at his press conference this morning, and he said the following about him. The speed element stands out the most. He's been impressive to this point and he'll get some opportunities this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's made people notice him.
There's no question about it, both among the media and the coaching staff, and obviously some fans as well. Let's go to the phones real quick to Mark in Orchard Park. Mark, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, you know, I call you every month, so uh, great to hear, uh, you know, that you're taking over, uh, uh, you know, the play calling. Uh, but Steve Tasker, same thing. I always say, I got to give you a thumbs up for everything you always said. My real question is, is Andy Isabella. I went to the practice. Uh, it was the first one on a Sunday. That's when Andy Isabella came in on a Friday. He stood out to me. I've been watching football for a long time. For me to see it was awesome. For you to see it, you already know what this individual can do. Uh, you know, I've watched films, what he did with uh, St. Louis or uh, the Cardinals and uh, he can be a game breaker. He's going to be like a Beasley with jets on his skis. All right. Uh, that's all I'm going to leave it at. All right. Appreciate the call, Mark. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's quickly built a little bit of a fan base out there. Every training camp, there's usually a, a media darling. There's also a fan darling. He might be both <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, he's the flavor of the week. He no is. question. He and, is. And he had, you know, he had a thirty-eight yard catch last weekend, and his his shiftiness down inside, and his his ability to accelerate away from people was on display. Um, you really do get a sense that he's got something to offer a team, and the Bills may be the team to do it. The question is, say if, if he's going to make it, who doesn't? That's that's the that's what we're really talking about here. Yeah, we're getting down to the plate point where you got fifty three guys out of ninety. You got to cut thirty seven guys from the club. Thirty seven. That's a lot. Yeah. And then you can In sign fell swoop. Yes, all at once. And you can you can say, well, practice squad this, practice squad that, and we may lose. You know, it's it's not as common to lose guys to the practice to or off the practice squad as you might think. Most of the times, it's because of another team after a few weeks needs a guy because of injuries. They're, they're, they're depleted at a position, so they'll start plucking guys from practice squads. But it doesn't really happen right at the – usually you're, you get all your guys back on the practice squad. And that's all well and good. And I get it. Hey, we don't have to say goodbye to these guys. I don't care. Who's on the 53? Who's going to help you on Monday night – 9-11 against Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. How are you going to beat those guys? Which guys are going to help you beat them? I get all the all the the practice squad and the injury reserve and the pup list and all, who is going to beat the Jets? That's what you got to know. So I if if they're going to try and slip this guy through or get this guy through and all that, I, I don't care. Give me, who's who's active on 9-11 against the Jets on Monday Night Football? And if Andy Isabella's one of those guys, you know, he's he's a difference maker because of his speed. It's it's a, it it's Brownie saw two reps in a individual drill, and Brownie's coming over to me because, hey, did you see that guy? That's all. The guy's different. Yeah. So now we're getting more positive influence. 
positive uh, feedback because now it's like, wow, he really knows the playbook. Wow, he's getting open in the preseason yeah. game. Wow, he catches Quick the study, ball really well. Wow, the he catches, you know, wow, Josh likes him. Wow, you know, Sean likes him. So now we're getting more than just, hey, he's a fast guy. There's some momentum here. There's, you, now he's turned into a, you know, a personality and a guy that's like, okay, let's give him something. So that's awesome. So who doesn't make it because Andy Isabella is going to? That's the question. It's a hard one to answer. It's a hard, it's a hard question to answer right now because you think Deontay Hardy, same, and even if those two guys are the same guy, you got Isabella returning kickoffs. You got Hardy. Deontay Hardy, who's all pro punt, punt returner. returner yeah. Okay, there's two guys that are helping you there, and you can split some time between them in the slot or in the on the field as an w- offensive guy. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, okay, I don't care who doesn't make the team. <laughs> Those, you know what I mean? Yeah. They give you something. So uh, that's where we're at. I'm. They, look, they found a guy. Bless their heart. I don't know what I don't know why he wasn't making it in Baltimore. Yeah. But he didn't, and he didn't he didn't stick around in Arizona. Okay. He's showing something in in Buffalo yeah. for whatever reason. Let's go back to the phones and to Jessica in South Carolina. What do you got for us, Jessica? Well, I have two questions for you guys. Sure. What did you think of Vandermark's play? I watched the preseason game, and he looked like a tremendously better on the left side than the right side. And I think maybe it was a confidence issue, and I wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. And then do you guys see Taylor Rapp playing any middle linebacker, you know, dial-up scheme just for, um, you know, man coverage maybe a little bit? Because Dotson seemed to struggle in man a little bit. He seemed good downhill but seemed to struggle in coverage a little bit. I'm going to hang up and see what you guys say. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, the reason, the best thing about Vandermark is that you didn't hear about him. I mean, he, he was – nobody was getting clean pressure and all that. Uh, and I'll say this, too, Vandermark, with they with Brandon, Brandon Shell, Shell leaving, Vandermark, they need him to play well. Uh, so, he's going to get an even longer look, I would think, against Pittsburgh. And if he holds up against the Pittsburgh Steelers and those jokers over there – That'll go a long way towards him being maybe the swing tackle because he, as I see it, he's in a kind of a thing with uh, Kessenberry. They need a guy that can play right and left. And if you got a guy that can play left and do it better than he can right, uh, he's a swing tackle candidate. Uh, you're not going to unseat Deion Dawkins. He's too big and too athletic. But Vandermark could be the guy that they hang on to. And use him in different ways, you know, as a third tackle on, on goal line, that yeah. kind of stuff, and, you know, throw him a touchdown pass. I don't care. But, yes, Vandermark's very much more in the mix with Brandon Shell retiring. And the fact that he got in the game this last week and pl- played significant snaps and was anonymous is like we – it's a good thing. And he knows the system. He's been here under Cromer last year on the practice squad. So it's not like he's some, you know – neophyte to the offense and what they want to try to accomplish here. He's been in the program. He's developed. He's got prototype length at 6'6", 307, long arms. So, yeah, I mean, I think he is firmly in the mix for the swing tackle role. And you heard Coach McDermott address it today. Somebody asked him, you know, where do you go now with some of your veteran depth at the tackle position no longer on this roster with the Brandon Shell retirement? He says, well, yes, we do have David Questenberry who was our swing tackle last year, but we need some young players 
to step up. That means Tommy Doyle coming back successfully from ACL surgery, and that means Ryan Vandervark stepping up to a point where, hey, you know what? This guy can be more than a practice squad player. Right. Maybe we can carry him as our fourth tackle. And, Jessica, the, the other thing you said about uh, Taylor Rapp, I would say yes. There are going to be some situations where he would make a lot of sense to move in there to one of the linebacker spots, put him and Matt Milano on the field at the same time. He's thick enough. Big nickel kind of thing. As, you know, to kind of bear up in a spread run game, maybe not in a two tight end run game, but in a spread four wide run game, he could step in there as a linebacker and carry, you know, carry one of the slot receivers and man up on him if you needed to. Or even if they go two backs and three wides, he could come in in that situation as well as a linebacker type who could step up in the run game, but also carry a, a tight end or a running back down the slot, down the middle of the field and, and run with him. Uh, he's a physical player. I, I love what I've seen from him in training camp. And I think he's versatile enough to back up Poirier and Hyde at either spot, but also find a spot in situations for him to get on the field and help him because of his athleticism. So, yes, I, I think you're, you're right on the money with that. As Steve and I have said many times, Taylor Rapp is a proven starter in this league. The only reason he's not starting is because the two guys back there have started together for the better part of the last seven seasons in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. But Taylor Rapp is too good of a player to not have on the field in some capacity among your starting 11. Now, that may just be a sub-package role, as Steve kind of laid out for us, but he's going to be on the field in some way, shape, or form. And so we'll see what that turns out to be and how that manifests itself. But you've heard Rap mention it. Whether I'm a sub-package player or they need me somewhere else, I'm ready to roll. So I, I think it'll be very interesting to I see think, how he is utilized week to week because I think it will morph and change as the season goes on. And here's the thing, too. I'm, Taylor Rapp is here because the Bills were precariously close to being without both Poyer and Hyde multiple times last season. They were without Hyde after week two. And Poyer missed and five Poyer, games and was barely healthy. Poyer was dragging himself around like, you know, he was, a, he was wounded the entire season. Had to drive to Kansas City because his lung got punctured. His el- he had wore that huge elbow brace the yeah, entire season. I mean, the guy the guy was really banged up big. And I think Taylor Rapp is here because the team knows that Poyer and Hyde aren't getting younger. They're getting way older. So they need a guy that they trust to step in and, and be ready if one of those guys needs a break for a week or two or, you know, have Taylor Rapp come in and start for a couple of games, that kind of thing. Plus, give him a role on the team that will make him – feel like he can contribute in certain situations. So I think that's what Taylor Rapp, his signing was. And at the time, and I can't remember the timing of it, they signed him before Poyer, before uh, re-signing Poyer back. I, I want to go back and check that. I, I can't remember that. But it, either way, you know, remember Poyer was a gone. He was a goner, man. And we didn't think there's any way he was coming back. And I can't remember whether Rapp was signed before or after Poyer. I think it might have been after. Well, Poyer re-signed on the 15th of March. So, I'll have to check. Yeah, I think, high, I think Rapp was after that. So, yeah, I, I think the Bills have a real concern that they got stuck last year maybe not having either Poyer or Hyde, and they want to make March sure they – March 31st. He signed yeah, two weeks, two weeks after, after Poyer signed. So, I think they really want to make sure they've got some depth of the position. Plus, back then, there was no guarantee that DeMar could even come back and play. Right. 
So they had some real issues in the offseason yeah, about they, had to insulate they couldn't they couldn't see the future and how it was going to turn out. Now it's turned out pretty well. But, you know, then not so they didn't know. And Taylor Rapp was a really good signing. Let's go to the tweet sheet now, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Which defensive player needs to show you more in preseason game number two? Jack says Dodson. Seems like he's the leader to be the Mike linebacker, but I think it's a mistake. He's a fine backup, but I haven't seen anything special this year in past starts. He feels he feels kind of pokey out there. I don't yeah, know what that pokey means, means slowpoke. Oh, Pokey. Slow. He's too slow. I'm no fan of the diminutive Bernard, but at least he has speed. I want to see Specter and Williams as well. Yeah, the lack of clarity at the middle linebacker position is clearly giving some Bills fans some angst here. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I'm. I mean, I'm not, it's easy I'm to not sit worried here. yet. I said earlier, I think the the middle linebacker spot in the NFL is the defensive answer to what's happened to the running back position. It's been devalued a little bit. There's so many fast athletes on the field. Those big old huge thumpers in the middle are just outdated. Nobody runs the ball more than they throw it. So you need a guy who can cover more than run stuff. Yeah. So it's it's turning in. It's kind of in a transition period, uh, I think, in this point in history. You get a guy like Matt Milano out there who, you know, there were times in hit points of history in the NFL where he was too he's way too small to play. Yeah. He'd be but, playing strong safety. But now he's a pro bowl, he's an all pro. So and and Tremaine Edmonds was an, an aberration in this day and age of how big he was and playing inside. So I'm thinking that position has been a little bit devalued. And I think I don't want to say the Bills are because I don't think they are at the forefront of that movement, but I think their treatment of Tremaine Edmonds and his contract is a result of that trend in the NFL. Carl on the tweet sheet says, I would like to see more from A.J. Epinesa. I think he was under the radar effective last year with six and a half sacks and limited snaps. But if he's going to be a top four pass rusher in the defense, I'd love to see more when he's running with the ones. And he has gotten a fair amount of that through the course of the training camp. You can't say he's been devoid of opportunities in training camp and even the preseason game last week. And I would expect that to continue because as clear as it might be, Steve, defensive end one, two, and three when Von Miller is healthy, which is namely Miller, Floyd, and Rousseau, who's four and five? I think think the jury's still out on that because in that pool you've got Epinesa, Basham, Shaq Lawson, Cameron Klein, Kingsley Jonathan, and Shane Ray. So – who would I say is out in front right now? I would say it's probably Epinesa, Basham, and Lawson, the three guys that were on the roster last year, because in my mind, Ray, Jonathan, and Klein have not flashed enough to convince me that they're going to unseat those guys. Um, Basham has probably flashed the most through one preseason game. We'll see if other guys put themselves in the mix even more in this second preseason game against the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, H.A., Boogie and Shaq are the three guys that kind of have the longest history with the team and the and probably the most cachet set aside. But which you know, which one would you choose? You know, I mean yeah. I, it's 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 tough. Because you can't you I mean I think this team is on a is on an expressway to carrying ten uh, ten defensive linemen. Five edge 
and five tackles. I would probably make, make it five and five right now. Mm-hmm. Can you see your way to 11? Well, you're really going to have to make some sacrifices on this roster somewhere else if you do that. Maybe you do it with the linebacker spot. Maybe you take – keep – what, are you going to keep four? Eh, that's a little precarious. That's, that's a little light. Yeah. Unless you've got two backups that can play either spot, which you may with Dorian Williams and, and – A.J. Klein. A.J. Klein or Bernard. Yeah. Uh, if you get because AJ Klein can play both, right? AJ Klein could play both. Medikevich, now you got a special teams core guy that's out. Dodson is already out of that mix, so you're going to have to really bolster your special teams core group with from someplace, probably the secondary and the big wide receivers. Yeah. Break time for us here. When we come back, we're going to hear from one Latavius Murray. Find out how his first training camp and preseason with the Bills is going. It's another guy that's opened some eyes. We'll catch up with him next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Addressing the media after practice today was the wily veteran that we've actually had here in studio as well, Latavius Murray, who's got a lot of spring in his step for a 33-year-old running back. He addressed the media after practice. Here is Latavius. Because of your age out here, and you know, maybe did you have like some sort of chip on your shoulder? You are the oldest running back in the league now that Mark basically retired. Yeah, I do. Um, I think obviously you kind of get written off the older you get, especially at the running back position. And so I think for me, yeah, I, I got a, a lot to prove year in and year out. You know, every day I'm out here of just, you know, proving that statistic wrong. And so, um, but a lot of us talk, some of the older guys on this team, and I, I truly believe it's it's not about, like, the age itself. I just think um, it's hard to keep that hunger um, as you get older in this league and as you get more comfortable, you know, you just, you, you, lo- you lose that edge. And, uh so yeah, I, I think I just I've, re- I've remained and kept that hunger, um, maybe more so now than ever, uh, just to to be able to show that I can still play at a high level and still compete at a high level. And it's it's really just all the things you do outside of, you know, outside of the game, on and off the field. It's, it's what keeps you up there. Being on this team, this organization, with what they built feed into that, like saying, okay, this is a little bit even more. I have a higher like, expectation myself than I need to do. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, like I said it when I first came in, you know, I've always wanted to play for a team that's competing for a championship and, you know, a team that obviously has great players, great organization, and in year, year in and year out is competitive and have a chance to go out there and win championships. And so when you're on a team like that, yeah, you don't think that, you're not around guys, you know, just collecting a paycheck and just there. You know, we're, we're, we got a group of guys, a group of great players, a great locker room, competitive team. I mean, I believe there's something going on every practice just to how competitive we are. But that's that's the environment you want to be around. And so, yeah, being here, that, that helps a lot that, you know, we're all working towards something and comp- competing towards something. So um, it helps um, that I'm just not, you know, on a team that's, that's trying to make it there. This is a team that's established that culture already and that identity. 
Sorry, I'm sorry. Has, um, how do you feel physically? Because, you know, this summer you haven't looked like the oldest running back in the league by any means. Yeah, I feel really good. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a credit to, you know, I think, as he said, just the culture here. And um, I think everything they do from, uh, you know, the offseason, I spent time here training uh, with, the, with the coaches, strength coaches, uh, the training staff, the medical staff. It's, you know, I just think it's a, it's a culture that you can strive in, you can be your best. And, uh, and I think it's helped me a lot. So I give them a lot of credit, this organization. Um, especially at this stage in my career to be able to feel this this healthy this good um you know that's a that's you know again I give them a lot of credit for that came in <clears throat> this team and probably had your thoughts and saw them play knew some guys but now that you've got, like, spent so much time around especially training camp like being in the dorms together what's changed for you what surprised you about just the group the dynamic yeah I think um I think that this is a it's it's like truly a, a family here in a sense um and I I I haven't felt that way about like me coming into a situation and seeing how the guys interact um more so than any other team I've been across uh or played for um like I remember our, uh training camp the first day just walking in the lock, you know the locker room and it was our first team meeting but just seeing everybody greet each other in a way of like, you know, hey, good to see you. How you been? How's the offseason? I have never experienced that in any of the other teams, any other training camp, just that interaction when we first got back together. So I think that that stood out to me of um, how close-knit the, the team was, the locker room was, and it's not just an offense-defense kind of thing. It's, it's a team thing. And so um, really respected that, really uh, appreciated that. Is that really, like, player-driven? Like – you feel like that it's in the locker room or yeah. partly coaches too? I think I I definitely think it's player driven. Um I think coach helps, but I think it has to be player driven. You know, I don't think coach can 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 force that connection. I think I think the decisions he make to allow us to, to get closer and grow closer, right, is on him, but in the end it's it's up to us to come together and, and, and grow that bond. And so um so yeah, maybe a little bit of both, but it's definitely, you know, it's up to us to to to, to make that bond, and I think that they do and we do. From James, James is a, he's a special player. Like he's he's still young. I think he still has a lot of growth, but you know, obviously he's he's a special talent, explosive, um, physical. He's shown this camp. Um, he's he's shown. I think he's shown all the attributes of a running back every down back and uh so i'm impressed with that and impressed with his knowledge of the game um this offense is not the easiest offense to learn and uh his comfort level in it you know the the hurry up that we do um i was impressed with that so um i think sky's the limit for him i think uh you know he's gonna have a really good year and i think he'll he'll, he'll be a a really good back in this league over every other running back that you stand next to in the, in the room? Yeah, at this point now I am. I mean, um, yeah, I haven't been next to anybody, especially in the same locker, you know, in the running back room as tall as me. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I would feel, I guess. I guess maybe then I feel threatened there, right? But then he wouldn't want to tackle you. Sean McDermott? Yeah, I mean, I would hope not. <laughs> so you know, like you have to, you have to run maybe a little different, like pad level, right? Running yeah. backs, like you're not really supposed to be high yeah. when you run, right? Yeah. And what, what's that like for you having to be like that? Yeah, 
I kind of mess with, um, I've heard all my life, like, that uh, I run too high. And, I'm, and, and, and my response is, okay, try being 6'3 and play running back in the NFL, and, and you tell me how you do. But for me, it's like this, this, that's this, this the body I got. And so um, sometimes I'm able to um, lower my center of gravity and, and run, but I, gotta, I have to balance bending over and running lower you understand so when you lose that then obviously you you lose that power if you're bending over as opposed to trying to get low and uh and still be explosive and still you know be be strong and physical so um you know it, it's just something that i've tried to obviously continue to work on but i i think i've found you know i've found that that sweet spot of just really falling forward really just being one cut and downhill um, not dancing, uh, that's, you know, I've just been, you know, been doing the things that I know that, that, that I'm good at and the, no, the things that, um, I've had success with and, and I'll continue to do that. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Is yeah. that? Yeah, all the time. Now he's more upright than me even, I would say. Yeah. I watch you when I yeah. was growing up watching how he ran with his knees. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely more upright when he had a lot of speed too. I would say ED did. So. Um, but definitely watch them. All the guys they compared to, uh, Eric Dickerson, uh, Brennan Jacobs, um, AP, you know, um, you know, all different, but, uh, but yeah, some big taller guys, obviously Derek is a anomaly. Um, so, you know, we just, uh, you know, I respect what each of them do differently. And, and I definitely learn from, you know, those bigger backs for sure. Being a back that's bounced around in the league sometimes from multiple teams in the same season what's allowed you to thrive in that environment and and accepting new environments sometimes like i said it throughout the course of the same season yeah i just think um just uh just embracing the situation and and you know uh being coachable and 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 putting football first like you know i'm I go into a situation, it's it's about the game of football, it's about winning, it's about how I can be the best player I can be, uh, be the best version of myself in that offense, like in, on that team. So I think that's what it is, just, it's just embracing that situation, keep football first and, and, and letting the rest, you know, the rest follow. Um, I know every offense is different and whatnot, but I also take on the challenge of that too. I take on the challenge of, you know, okay, I'm on a new team and, yeah, he had success this place, but I don't think he can replicate that. Like I take that out as a challenge. So you know, any any door I step foot in, you know, I, my plan is to to leave my mark, make an impact on that offense, on that team. Um, you know, wherever I wherever I go, whatever age I'm at. All right, that's six foot three, two hundred twenty three pound Latavius Murray addressing the media after practice. Today has certainly had a strong training camp. We'll see where it takes him through the rest of the preseason. We will take a break here, but Steve and I come back with some final thoughts on the tweet sheet where you have been telling us what defensive player on this Bills roster you'd like to see more from in preseason game number two. We'll get those thoughts out next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. We should note, Steve, that there is a anniversary today. Today marks the 50th anniversary of the first game, 
professional football game ever played in what is now Highmark Stadium. August 17th, 1973, the Buffalo Bills host the Washington Redskins in a preseason game, and uh, there it is. Yeah, 50 years ago now, 50 years later, there, is, there isn't a spot on that field that doesn't have something special and some memory attached to it. Uh, after all these decades, uh, the place went up. This, what it was so many years, it was Rich Stadium, then it was uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium. Um, New Era Field. New Era Field, now Highmark. Um, it has been the home to this club and, and a fixture in western New York and the site of a lot of heritage for families and, and certainly Bill's Mafia. So congratulations to the old girl. She's, she's going to get retired. But uh, yeah, not like I said, future. there's a lot of special moments that happened in that, in that stadium. I was very proud to be a part of them. And, and uh, it'll, be a, it'll, it'll be a little bit nostalgic when, uh, when, when she goes away. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. It's amazing because, you know, these days stadiums don't last nearly that long. They get to 30. Yeah. They're ancient uh, with all the advances that they try to come up yeah. with to, uh, you know, well, make stadiums last. I'm going to the Erie County Fair, Brownie. That's all there is oh, to it. Oh, you are? It. Good I for am. you. I'm headed out over there. A couple of uh, quick final tweets from uh, Coleco. He says he wants to see more from Elam, proving he can take the CB2 spot because he has more upper side in his opinion. That'll do it for us today. Good it is stuff. Matty Glab and Chris Trapasso tomorrow while Steve and I travel to Pittsburgh. We'll see you on Saturday.